0: The first reading for this morning comes from Psalm chapter 36, verses 5 to 7. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains, your justice like the deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. How priceless is your unfailing love. O God, people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. The second reading for this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 12. Now this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you, with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that, as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us, just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. Because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this or do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes and no, no? But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. Because it is by faith you stand firm. So I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you whom I have grieved? I wrote as I did, so that when I came I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you, that you would all share my joy. For I wrote you out of great distress and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Another reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes." Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and went on to Macedonia.
1: Thanks Debbie and good morning everyone. My name's Mark. If we haven't met, it's great to to be with you this morning. Um, I find it interesting reading the autobiographies of famous people who I've who have followed a little bit in life, because you, you know you you, f- you follow their lives, you, you form your own opinions about them, and but then you get to read their book and, and hear their side of the story. And you know I, I often sense when I'm reading an autobiography that the person who's written it, there's kind of a they're wanting to set the record straight. Um, you know whether it's John Howard explaining why he introduced the GST or Andre Agassi explaining why he dressed the way he did. That there's this desire to correct a wrong perception of um, who they are and what they did in their lives. Uh, and in the Bible passage that we're looking at today, the Apostle Paul is doing the same thing. He's wanting to set the record straight. Uh, he wants the people in the Corinthian church who he's writing to, to, to see his side of the story, to, to know who he really is and why he did what he did. Um, but he's not doing this to, just to boost his own PR, He's doing it for the good of the people who he's writing to. Uh, he's using this opportunity to show them what authentic gospel ministry is all about. And ultimately to, to help not just them, but us today as well to stand firm in the gospel. Uh, so Paul shows us firstly that authentic gospel ministry is grounded in the faithfulness of God. Uh, now it's clear as we're reading here that there's a bit of a backstory to what Paul's writing. There's a, bit, there's a bit of history between him. And this church. Um, so before we dive in, let's, um, we'll take a step back and just get our bearings uh, in, one, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, so Paul had visited the city of Corinth uh, a few years earlier. He'd, he'd shared about Jesus. He'd established the church. Uh, he'd stayed there for a year or two. Uh, and then after he left the church, he wrote a couple of letters to them just to address some issues that had come up in the church. Uh, there'd been a conflict, sexual immorality, and, and other problems happening in the church. We don't have that first letter anymore, but we've got the, the second letter in our Bibles. We call it 1 Corinthians. Uh, and Paul told them in 1 Corinthians, I'm, I'm hoping to come and visit you. I'm hoping to come and have a long visit with you at some point soon. Uh, but that long visit ended up being a very short visit. Uh, Paul, Paul came to Corinth. He, he challenged them on the way that they were living. And, and he got a very, very hostile response. So much so that instead of, saying, instead of staying with them, He left. And he, and he wrote them a letter instead, a third letter. Uh, we don't have that third letter anymore, but, but, but um, we sort of get the impression that he was challenging them, continuing to challenge them on, on the way that they were living. Uh, and then after, after he hears how they responded to that third letter, he writes them a fourth letter as well, and that fourth letter is the one we're looking at in this series now, 2 Corinthians. Corinthians. Uh, and we see that while there was, there was quite a positive response to, to this third letter that he wrote, there were, there were still people in the Corinthian church who didn't think much of Paul at all. Uh, and given that Paul had promised to, to visit them for a long time, but he'd only stayed for a short time, you can, you can sort of imagine what these critics of Paul might be saying about him. Paul doesn't care about us, Paul doesn't keep his promises. He, he says one thing and he does another thing. How can we trust anything that he says? Uh, most of us can probably think of that person in our lives who... They, they always say they'll be there and they never, they never show up. Oh, you're having a 21st birthday? I'll, I'll be there. Oh, you're moving house? Yeah, I'll come along and help you out. And you, you never see them. Um, that's the way that Paul is being painted here. Just, just very unreliable. Uh, so how does Paul respond to this? How does he respond? Well, well he says to them, this, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world... And especially in our relations with you, you Corinthians, with integrity and godly sincerity. So, so he's saying to the Corinthians, look, you've seen the way we live. You, you've seen the way that I have lived. You've seen the way that my, the, my companions with me have lived. You know that we've been consistent. We've been sincere in everything that we've said and done with you. And in a moment, Paul is going to explain in depth why he didn't stay for a long visit. But, but what's more important to Paul is explaining to them, not his own faithfulness, but to remind them of God's faithfulness. Uh, So he says to them in verse 18, as we heard in the All Ages spot, "...as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no." Um, So whatever you think of me, Paul says, whatever you think of me, I want you to know that the message that I've been proclaiming to you is completely trustworthy. And you can be sure of that because of Jesus. Jesus. Uh, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. So we can know that God is faithful because in Jesus we see all of his promises fulfilled. Uh, Jesus is the very faithfulness of God in human form. Uh, So Paul Paul is saying to them, our faithfulness to you is grounded in the faithfulness of God that we can see in Jesus. Uh, It's this faithfulness of God, Paul says, that that, that helps both me and you to stand firm. He tells them, it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Uh, So a couple of points, I think, to take from this. Firstly, is that it is God's faithfulness that we rest in and build our lives on it's the gospel that helps us to stand firm so our strength and security comes from knowing jesus knowing that he's died to bring us to god knowing that he's been raised back to life and he's coming again one day to set things right in jesus we can see that god is completely faithful to us we can trust him completely people are going to let us down People at church are going to let us down. Church leaders are going to let us down. If I haven't let you down yet, like just give me time. Oh, I'll get there. It's coming. Don't you worry. Um, but in Jesus, we can be sure that God will never let us down. Uh, so our hope and our certainty rests in God, not in people. Uh, I don't know everyone's story here, but, but maybe at some point you've been hurt by the church, you've been hurt by people in the church and and that's impacted the way that you you think about church or the way that that you think about God Uh, if that's the case I I don't want to trivialise what you've been through at all but but my plea would be that even if God's people have got it completely wrong in your life, my my plea would be that you you would look to Jesus and that you'd see how it's Jesus alone who reveals God's perfect faithful character to us He's the one who helps us stand firm. He's the one who shows us what God is like. It does bring us to to a second point, though, which is that even though God's faithfulness is what we need to depend on and what we need to, to point other people to, our own faithfulness and integrity matters as well. Because if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I represent Jesus. People, people will see my faithfulness as a reflection on Jesus, and I think that 's why Paul is so careful to defend his own integrity here, not because he 's insecure, not because he cares what the, what the Corinthians think about him, but but because he doesn 't he doesn 't want what they think about him to be a barrier to what they think about Jesus, uh, which is a challenge for us that, that our own faithfulness and, and our own integrity He's going to shape the way that our our neighbors, our workmates, our children, the the way that people around us think about Jesus. Uh, So authentic gospel ministry is grounded in God's faithfulness, knowing his faithfulness, depending on it, building our lives on it, standing firm in it, and living in a way that, that reflects it to other people as well. Uh, and Paul also shows us that authentic gospel ministry is about having a deep love for people. Uh, he says to the Corinthians, I, I call God as my witness. I stake my life on it. It was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith that you stand firm. So Paul, Paul doesn't consider himself to be above the Corinthians in any way, even though he's got a special role as an as an apostle, God's given him a particular role. I mean, he sees himself as their co-workers. He's working alongside them with the goal of seeing them standing joyful and standing firm in their faith in Jesus. And that's why he chose not to visit them. And he tells them, "I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. For if I grieve you, who is left to make me glad but you, whom I have grieved?" So Paul knew that that after that, that previous painful short visit that he had with them, that there needed to be a bit of space. There needed to be space. Um, If he'd visited again right away, it just just would have increased the tension and it would have compounded the the grief both ways from last time. And so writing to them was the more loving option. Now he tells them, "I, I wrote so that when I came, I would not be distressed by those who should have made me rejoice. I had confidence in all of you that you would all share my joy. So, so writing to them about the issues that had come up gave them a chance to to consider it, to, to, to think about it, what Paul was saying, and, and decide what to do about it, rather than just adding fuel to the fire and, and creating more tension. And as we read through 2 Corinthians, we, we see that it works. Uh, it, it seems as though, even though some people kept opposing Paul and disagree with him, disagreeing with him, that, that lots of people in the church actually listened to what he said in the letter, and, and they, they turn back to, to living well for Jesus. And so Paul, Paul tells them, I, I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish of hearts, with many tears, not to grieve you, but to let you know the depth of my love for you. So th- this isn't just a, a quick email that Paul's fired off when he's been in a bad mood and wanted to get things off his chest. It's come from a a place of deep and wounded love for the Corinthian Christians. Paul loves them dearly. And it's the people we love the most who can hurt us the most. The, the way they've treated him and the way they've drifted away in their obedience to Jesus has has really grieved Paul. It's, it's, it's really cut into to the heart. And, and I think often when, when someone hurts us, the, the instinctive response we have is to want them to feel that same pain as well. Wanting, wanting them to feel what they've made us feel. But Paul loves them too much to want that for them. He, he doesn't want to cause them grief. He wants them to know how much he loves them. And most of all, he wants them to stand firm in Jesus. That's what he, that's what he wants here. Uh, and Paul draws his attention to a particular person in the, in the church who's, who's caused him grief. Uh, we don't know for sure who he is. We, Paul doesn't mention him by name here. Um, it, it might be a person who he mentioned in 1 Corinthians who was up to up to no good in the church. It, it might be someone else who's, um, who's um, stood up and opposed Paul a bit more recently. Uh, we don't know for sure who it was, but whoever it was, the majority of the church has listened to Paul and, and they've disciplined this person. And so so Paul says to them, uh, the punishment that's that's inflicted on this person is sufficient. Now instead you ought to forgive him and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you to reaffirm your love for him. Now, now this is someone who's hurt Paul a lot, this is someone who's caused Paul a lot of issues. It would have would have been tempting for Paul really to just say to kick this guy while he was down. But instead he, he says to them, No, forgive him, comfort him. Love him. I've forgiven him. You forgive him as well. Welcome him with open arms. Don't hold this against him anymore if he's repented. Now, Paul has a, a deep, loving desire to see the people in this church standing joyful and firm in their faith in Jesus. And, it, and it's, it's a love that endures even when the people cause him grief. And I wonder, is that the sort of love that we have for one another here as a church? A love that that drives us to to work hard to see one another stand firm in the faith. A love that causes us to to genuinely grieve when we we see people struggling in their faith, in their walk with God. And a love that empowers us to forgive other people even when they hurt us. It's not the sort of love that happens by accident. Um, It comes from sharing life together. It comes from knowing what it is that unites us together. As I um, think about previous churches that I've been involved in, I've, I look back and I think I've, I've come to love people deeply as I've really spent quality time with them. Um, I think back to community groups that I've been in with people that, you know, at the start of the year I just I have not clicked with them at all. I, I just haven't been on their wavelength at all. But it, but as we've spent time together, as we've shared our struggles, as we've prayed for one another, I've I've come to really love them. Um, So my encouragement for all of us would be, don't settle for for church being something nice that you go to with people who you like. Don't settle for church being something nice that you go to with people who you like. Don't don't settle for that. Church is family. We're united together in Jesus. We, We stand firm in our faith in Jesus not as individuals, but, but together. Uh, now, we're all in different seasons of life. We've all got different time commitments, different things going on in life. But, but please do take every chance you can to be in community here together. Um, that might mean coming to church 15 minutes early and, and having a chat to, to, to someone each week. Coming along to, to events that we run, like um, we've got a church camp coming up that we're going to be promoting in a few weeks' time on the October long weekend. That's a great chance to spend time together. Um, being part of a community group, if you're not in one yet. See, as we lean into church family life, we're going to experience a deepening of love for each other. Now, just like with Paul, sometimes that will cause us grief, but it's also going to bring great joy as well. And just little by little, we'll be able to do the work that God has given us to do in helping one another to stand firm in Jesus. Uh, so authentic ministry for Paul, it's about loving one another and, and it's about having concern for God's church as a whole as well. Uh, so when Paul tells the Corinthians to forgive um, this person who sinned and, and repented, he's, he's not just concerned for that one person, he's, he's concerned about the whole church. He says to them, another, another reason I wrote to you is to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything, he, he wants to see that this church is truly committed to the gospel, that they're standing firm in Jesus together. And the fact that they've, they've turned from their sin and, they, and they've disciplined this person who was causing issues it, is a big encouragement for Paul. But he also wants to see that they're ready to forgive this person as well. Um, and, and that's important because the church is in the middle of a battle Paul wants them to to be ready to forgive one another in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Uh, The devil is going to use sin whenever and wherever he can to wound the church. He's, he's, He's going to use it to stop us from standing firm in Jesus. Um, now, that might be by a church tolerating sin and, and allowing it just to just to spread in the church, or, or it might be by uh, the church being overzealous in, in how we discipline one another, um, causing people unnecessary harm. Uh, we need to be ready as a church to, to confront sin when we see it, but, but to do so in, in a loving way and with the goal of this confrontation being to, to restore people. The the goal of discipline is never to harm the person who sinned. It's, it's always restoration. Um, and I've seen times in, in church life where people have wanted to see people disciplined, but, but they've taken love out of the equation. It, it's really, it's only been harm that they had in mind. And, and it's a really ugly thing uh, to see people working towards that. Uh, whenever we confront people about sin, it's to bring them to repentance And restoration. It's to see them stand firm with us in their faith. Uh, It's done in love. It's done with the knowledge that we all depend on God's grace that He's shown to us in Jesus. And you know what? I think that's really hard because I don't know. I don't know about you. If you think about someone in your life who's caused you significant harm, it might be someone in a church context. Might be might be someone out in the world somewhere. Think about that person and and then think, what is it that you want for that person deep down? Is it a a restored relationship? Or or do you want them to feel that same harm that they've made you feel? And as you think about that, you realize that pursuing restoration is hard. But as a church, we need to keep doing it. We need to be committed to doing it. And, And I think last week, Steve McAlpine, who was speaking at our Combined Sunday, summed it up, really well i can't remember if this was the morning or the evening session i think it might have been the evening session he said this but he, but he was saying look if if mrs jones and mrs brown both hate each other the the solution isn't to get them sitting on opposite sides of the church right that's that's not a good solution that's not a healthy church forgiveness and restoration have to be something that we're always working towards as a church so that's that's paul's concern for the corinthian church and and his concern for this church it also shines shines out in those last couple of verses that, that we read. Paul, Paul recalls, now when I, when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me, I still had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and I went on to Macedonia. Um, just to give you a bit of, bit of context there, you can see um, Troas on the map there, sort of in the kind of the middle top there, Corinth is on the left-hand side there, Macedonia's sort of top left region. And you, you kind of think, why, why is Paul included this here? It's a bit, of a bit of a random anecdote, doesn't really seem to connect with what comes before, what comes afterwards. You think, oh, cool story, Paul, you went to you went to triaphs, great. Um, but and as we'll see later on in the letter, Paul is anxious here because he's waiting for Titus to tell him how the Corinthian church responded to that third letter he sent how they responded to that letter he sent where, where he called them to repent and to, to turn around and to, to, to come back to following Jesus well. And it's only, and, and we see this a few chapters later, it's only when Paul finds Titus and hears good things from the church that he's able to, able to relax. And that's because he loves the church. He loves the church. He loves the people in the church. And he rides every high and low because he's so desperately wants to see them standing firm in Jesus, and these questions that have been raised about paul 's integrity have given him the opportunity to to love the church by, by showing them and showing us what authentic gospel ministry is all about it 's about knowing god 's faithfulness it 's about pointing one another to god 's faithfulness it 's about loving one another deeply, working to, to see one another standing firm. In Jesus. And it's about treasuring and strengthening the church that Jesus has called us into so that we can all stand firm in Jesus together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for Paul's ministry to the Corinthian church that you've preserved for us in your word. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us, which is so evident in Jesus. And we pray that each day you'd help us to to look to Jesus, to trust in your faithfulness, and to live it out in our own lives, as well. Uh, Please fill us with a, a deep and growing love for your people and your church as a whole. Please use us to work with one another so that we all stand firm and joyful in Jesus. Amen.